answering all of your Twitter Tuesday questions like whether or not the New Orleans Saints should pursue a trade for their next quarterback. And if they do, are there some day two gems at wide receiver that could immediately impact the new offense? And is there more than just smoke around the reports about Sean Payton taking a year off? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And of course, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And it is Twitter Tuesday, so I wanted to get to some of your questions that you left for me over on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. We'll do a lot more mailbags and things like that as we continue on all throughout the season as well. And we'll get to kind of our midweek fundamentals tomorrow on Wednesday, which we'll talk more about later on. But I want to start off here with our first question. This comes from Brian Riles at Brian Riles on Twitter with a follow up from at LSU underscore Tyler on Twitter as well. So the original question was, do you think that it's best for the Saints to re-sign Jameis Winston and Marcus Williams with a follow up from Tyler being, what are the chances that the Saints actually pull off a trade for either Wilson Derek Carr, or sorry, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, etc. So I want to start off with whether or not the best option is to re-sign Jameis Winston and Marcus Williams. First of all, the best option is to re-sign Marcus Williams. That should be priority number one over the course of this offseason, partially because of the fact that you're already kind of partway down the road anyway. You had a contract prepared. You had some conversations with them before the franchise tag deadline last year. So you've already got a little bit of like the bones or a skeletal structure of what a contract could look like for Marcus Williams. Then you just kind of have to adjust based on his 2021 performance, which good on Marcus Williams and his agent for saying, we're going to wait this out, play on the tag and see if they can earn some more money, because I think that they did. Now, when it comes to Jameis Winston and the quarterback conversation, then it's a little bit different there, right? It depends on what you value. If you value draft picks heavily, especially first round draft picks, then yes, your best option is probably retaining Jameis Winston and kind of running it back with a similar quarterback room in 2022 than what you had in 2021, which would feature guys like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, and I guess Blake Bortles instead of Trevor Simeon maybe next season. I guess it just depends. I don't think the Saints are going to get into a bidding war over a backup quarterback. So if Blake Bortles is your veteran backup next year that holds the clipboard, then so be it, as opposed to Trevor Simeon. I completely understand. So if you value draft picks, then Russell Wilson, excuse me, Jameis Winston is probably the way to go. If you don't value draft picks as much, then you can feel a little bit more comfortable going for players like Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, even Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's not even really on the board on the board for me personally. But that's sort of the way that I would look at it. It depends on what you value, because either way, you're going to have the cap space that you need to maneuver because they're just going to restructure the contract. Either you end up extending Jameis Winston before his contract runs out or you let his contract void and then get rid of some of that dead cap by re-signing him and pushing some of that money back. And you have a low cap hit in 2022 and then things kind of escalate moving forward. Or you trade for Russell Wilson and you restructure his contract so that the 2022 salary cap is low and then things end up kind of 
uh, building up over the course of the future. So it just depends, right? In terms of short-term spending for 2022, you're effectively going to be in the same boat because the Saints aren't just going to trade for Russell Wilson and say, okay, well, I guess we'll just eat this 20-something, 30-something million dollars. They're going to restructure the contract to kick that can down the road. They would do the same thing with a new contract or an extension for Jameis Winston. So salary cap-wise, you end up in the same place. So you're able to maneuver in terms of free agency about the same. The big question is, are you able to maneuver within the draft about the same, right? Because you're likely having to give up two firsts, potentially a second this year, and maybe more in order to get Russell Wilson to New Orleans. You're going to give up at least a first to get Derek Carr to New Orleans, right? So depending upon what it is, or maybe a second with like conditions and things like that for the next season, whatever it might be, but you're going to have to give up draft capital to bring those guys in. I love the draft season. I love player evaluation. I love talking about draft prospects. I love the prospect of players. But if you're going to give me proven over perspective, I'm going to take proven 10 times out of 10. At Kyle Leff, L-E-F-F, with a follow-up from our boy Jeremy Slivka at Slivka underscore Jeremy on Twitter. Uh, Will the Saints address the right guard position with how Cesar Ruiz has played so far or stick it out? And then Jeremy kind of has the follow-up here, piggybacking off of Kyle Will the Saints make a run at Washington football team right guard Brandon Sheriff? So here's what I want to do. I want to start with when it comes to Cesar Ruiz. It's very likely that the Saints are going to stick it out with Cesar Ruiz, right? They've done it over and over and over again with other players that maybe aren't like seen in the public eye with, you know, most the most certainty, right? They've done it with Marcus Davenport. They did it with Andrus Pete. They even did it with PJ Williams. And in, I guess, two out of those three, potentially even three out of those three, because if you compare the left guard situation with Andrus Pete as a starter anywhere else around the NFL, you have a pretty good situation. But with those three players, the Saints don't really pay attention to like the public perception of those players. They have faith in the players that they've invested in. And beyond having faith in the players, they have faith in themselves as coaches to be able to not necessarily fix players, but be able to put players in a situation to succeed. They did it with Marcus Davenport when they, you know, signed him even in the midst of the, like the lack of public opinion in for his um, fifth year option. And then he turns up to have nine sacks in his fourth year and all of that. Uh, PJ Williams completely revitalized his career by sticking around in New Orleans and allowing himself to be developed at multiple positions. Even uh, Patrick Robinson, they fixed the eye discipline issue with Patrick Robinson. And he's been somebody that before he retired was a key cog in the wheel in terms of the Saints secondary for depth, right? So you look at Cesar Ruiz and you look at this coaching staff and you say, yeah, the coaching staff probably has a lot of faith in themselves to be able to bolster and put Cesar Ruiz in better situations where he can uh, succeed. Now, here's the exception. And the exception is exactly what Jeremy ended up kind of kind of raising here. If you can find someone that, again, give me proven over perspective any day, if you can find somebody in free agency that's able to come in and immediately take over a starting role at right guard and you know this player is proven and they're going to be able to step in, they're going to be able to play it like that Alex Kappa level in Tampa Bay or the Brandon Sheriff level, or you don't even have to go that high. And if you went to like a Will Hernandez, for instance, just depending upon how the team feels that some of these players in free agency might fit, Will Hernandez might not be the best fit, but depending upon how they feel, they could potentially say, we're going to go ahead and bring in this veteran, even on a one-year deal or a short-term deal or whatever, and let Cesar Ruiz take over a depth option and develop behind the scenes as opposed to on Sundays. So those are our personnel questions, questions about players currently on the roster. Now we're going to get to our NFL draft questions as well, including if the Saints make a move for a guy like Russell Wilson, 
they're going to have to give up at least one first round pick, right? At least two first round picks in order to get there. So if the Saints did that, are there any day two wide receivers that could end up having an immediate impact for the team? We'll talk about replicating the success in Seattle for Russell Wilson, but finding a way to do it with this draft class in New Orleans as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get there, it is the time right now. The playoffs underway. Super wildcard round is over. Moving forward now to the divisional round. You've got four very exciting games, four games that are sure to be very entertaining, high scoring, all of that. If you want to get in on any of that action to make those games a little bit more exciting, since the Saints aren't there, you might need a little bit more of a reason to buy in these playoff games and a really great way to do that is of course getting in on the action over at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest place to place all of your bets throughout these nfl playoffs you can get in on all of that action they've also got a great uh, player prop builder that's a lot of fun particularly during the playoffs where you have all these different like scenarios that could potentially happen and then you also have a live betting module where you can actually bet along with trends as you're watching them develop so lots of fun stuff available for you over at betonline.ag and if your first time checking out the uh the the website is today then i want to make sure you use that promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's a 50 percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit with the promo code locked on over at betonline where the game starts Hey, Huda Nation continued on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So grateful to be a part of your daily routine. Don't forget that we're here with you five days a week, even throughout the entire offseason as well, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Now, we're continuing on with our Twitter Tuesday. We did all of our like current personnel questions uh, for the first part. Now, as we wrap this up in terms of our Twitter Tuesday, before we get to some big headlines in the third Uh, third part of today's show, I want to dive into some draft questions that come through. And I want to start off with our good friend, Logan, who brings in a great question. I love this question at the soul man 57 on Twitter. If you're interested, definitely highly recommend to follow there. If the Saints trade their first round pick for Russell Wilson, who is the top target for them in round two at wide receiver? And I loved this question because it really forced you to think about, okay, so what is it that worked for Russell Wilson in the past? And is there a way, is there a way to replicate it coming up within this NFL draft? And there's two ways to do it, I think. So listen, I, I tend to think that if the Saints trade for Russell Wilson, it's gonna not only cost them their first round pick this year, but probably their second round pick this year too. So let's talk about some day three prospects as a whole, right? Round two, round three, kind of whichever way you look at it, you might be able to grab one of these guys, except for one, uh, which is the first one that I'll talk about because we should acknowledge this. Every year we talk about, oh, that player would never be available at that point. There's no way they won't be on the board, all of that. And then inevitably, like they are, or somebody takes a massive tumble like an Eric McCoy or a CJ Gardner Johnson, who went in the fourth round when he was supposed to be a first rounder. Uh, DK Metcalf dropped all the way down into the second round. So uh, we can pump the brakes on the whole idea that like a certain player won't fall because you just don't know until you're there. And so when I look at Jamison Williams in his situation right now with the late ACL tear in the national championship game, we don't know how the medical sort of process is going to go for him over the course of the offseason. It's easy to say right now that if he makes a full recovery and everything goes perfect, that he would maintain his round one status. But if that's not the case and he doesn't, then he would be an obvious answer to this question in the second round if he were to fall 
out of the first. And that doesn't necessarily mean falling all the way to 49. The Saints are always aggressive in the draft. They could potentially trade up and get into those low 30s or, or I guess high 30s, like 37, 38, if he's still on the board at that point. So Jamison Williams is one that I should point out, but very likely he will be gone in the first round. So a more realistic scenario, though not the only possible scenario, would be his Alabama counterpart in John Mechie, who's also going to be recovering from an injury, but was already somebody that was seen as a late day one to late day two selection. So anywhere between potentially jumping up into the first round, depending upon his offseason evaluation, testing, 40 time, all those things, but then could also be somebody that's available later on in the third round. So he could be an obvious option and he's an easy one, right? He can stretch the field. He's a deep threat. He's got great speed. He's got all of that. He's a little bit more of like a Tyler Lockett. And I think that becomes the focus. If you bring Russell Wilson to New Orleans, there's not a lot around him that feels familiar in terms of his his usability of players like DK Metcalf, who was a downfield field stretcher, big body guy that could be the possession receiver like Michael Thomas close to the line of scrimmage, but also could, you know, get loose for 50 yards through the air. Right. Uh, same thing with Tyler Lockett. You don't really have a Tyler Lockett type on this New Orleans Saints offense. You have a field stretcher in Deontay Harris, but you don't have the size with Tyler Lockett or that you have with Tyler Lockett and the other pieces of it. You. You can't always just rely on Deontay Harris to be the guy that stretches the field for you. So John Mechie fits that Tyler Lockett mold a little bit more than anybody that the Saints currently have on their roster. Now, if they need to wait a little bit longer or they're not comfortable with the injury status of either one of those players, which I would certainly understand, then the Saints don't necessarily need to replicate Tyler Lockett. But what if I told you they could replicate a pass wide receiver of Russell Wilson in Percy Harvin? And I think you can find that. And a guy like Rondale, excuse me, Wandale Robinson, thinking about him like Rondale Moore, but a guy like Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky, five foot 11, 185 pounds or so, that should sound familiar because basically he's Percy Harvin. You can use him in the slot, you can use him out wide, you can use him out the backfield. He has some return specialist ability as well. You can run those jet sweeps with him, all those creative things that you would usually do with Percy Harvin you could do with Wandale Robinson. And he has the ability to be able to come in and impact an offense if used properly. And that's where you look at head coach Sean Payton and go, okay, pretty confident there. So that could be an option for New Orleans if they do trade for a guy like Russell Wilson is try to replicate past success by building up the molds of the players on this New Orleans Saints system to those akin to, particularly at the skill position players, of what Russell Wilson has been successful with in the recent past and also the long since pass. Now with Rondell, with Wandale Robinson, you get somebody that's like Rondell Moore in terms of, you know, you can throw to him uh, in the short and intermediate area and then he can break it off for a big run. He's got a killer jab step. He's got some nice twitchy moves, things like that. Percy Harvin, a lot more elusive, but you still have a bit of elusivity. Is that a word? It is now uh, with Rondale Robinson. But the thing that's different from Rondale Moore, who we really liked coming out of the draft last year here on Locked on Saints, is that Wandale Robinson is a little bit more of a field stretcher. He's a converted wide, excuse me, converted running back, converting to wide receiver, but he's still somebody that can get loose deep as well. So those are the players that I would look at. Love this question. Thank you very much for that. Next, I want to jump to our friend Georgia Boy 470. What's going on, homie? Uh, there are, was a lot of smoke last, last draft season around the Saints looking to move up to get somebody. Any idea of who the Saints may like if it's a similar situation and were to present itself this year? Look, um, and then there's a bonus question attached to this as well about how deep draft class this draft class is at different skill positions. Um, 
Hard to tell at this point if there are players that the Saints like just because it's so early in the evaluation period, right? Like these guys are going to watch some 600, 500, 600 different prospects before the NFL draft starts and everything. And they're probably just now getting started with like the meat of that. So hard to say that there are any players that like may intrigue them at this point. But here's what I will say. I would expect the Saints to be aggressive if they maintain all of their picks. It's the most picks that they've had in recent years, right, in in a draft. And so I could see the Saints going in with seven, eight, nine selections, depending upon how the um, how the compensatory picks roll out, but then only leaving with four or five actual picks, right? Because they mobilize and move around and things like that. So I would certainly always expect that. Here's the other thing that I would expect. Diana Rossini on the first day of the draft, having some kind of report around the New Orleans Saints, either being interested in some player or being interested in moving up. In each of the last two years, she had the report on the Saints being interested with Jonathan Taylor and the report about the Saints trying to move up to the top to in within the top 10 to target one of those top cornerbacks like J.C. Horner, Patrick Sertan. So I think that you should expect to see that. It doesn't always work out, right? It didn't work out in both of those. Doesn't mean that Diana had bad information or anything like that. But, you know, you just never know what you're going to do in the draft. So you actually get there and see the way that the cards actually lay out on the table. So it's going to be tough at this point to kind of pinpoint who they might be interested in. But if there is that prospect, then yeah, I would certainly expect to see the Saints mobilize and move around and be aggressive, especially with the 18th selection. That ends up, you have a bit of a drop-off in terms of value outside the top five, outside the top 10, outside the top 20, because there's usually somewhere between 15 to 20 first-round graded players in every draft. And then toward the back end of the first round, you're really drafting guys with second round grades. The Saints have consistently been around the like 25 air, you know, 25 pick area, right? Now they're all of a sudden in the late teens, which puts them in sort of that third tier that's outside the top five, outside the top 10, but within the top 20, which allows them to be able to better maybe mobilize a bit within the, you know, pick 11, 12, 13, if there's a player that makes it just outside the top 10 that they want to move up for. So I would expect the Saints to want to be aggressive. Now, you also asked a little bit about how deep uh, do I believe that classes are at key skill positions. And I'm going to be honest, where this where this draft is deepest is not the skill positions. It's the trenches. They're really, really deep this year at defensive tackle, edge rusher and offensive line across the entire offensive line outside of maybe center where you have like Linderbaum out of Iowa and then the field. Right. But that's where this draft is deepest. Now, the wide receiver um, skill position area is deep, right? You can find a wide receiver a little bit later. Um, running back isn't very top heavy, so inherently it's a little bit deeper than in years past. You could find some intriguing prospects down there and maybe corner. All right, those are maybe the skill positions where you'd say, okay, this draft is deep, right? Even with linebackers, if you're looking for a pass rushing linebacker, yes, it's a little bit deep. But if you're looking for a coverage linebacker, not so much. There have been a lot of questions about what the future for Sean Payton looks like over the course of the offseason. So let's actually talk about it. Let's really, really talk about it. What will go on with Sean Payton over the course of this offseason? I'll tell you what I think, but we'll also pay some attention to the smoke and mirrors around all the stories that are uh, being kind of thrown about right now. Let's talk about it as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And look, I really, really appreciate everybody's questions. Love doing Twitter Tuesdays. But I know some of you have some questions that I can't answer, like questions about your taxes, because a lot of people think that unusual circumstances mean complicated tax situations. But, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes the job more exciting and makes things interesting. So I want to tell you all about our friends over at TurboTax. So maybe you 
inherited a condo or some kind of like small a piece of property. Maybe you're getting paid in crypto and not sure how you're going to be taxed about that. Well, that's why TurboTax Live experts are available for you every day. And they take all of those interesting life situations and make sure that you get the greatest refund out of all of them. So luckily, TurboTax Live is able to take you and pair you up with an expert that has experience dealing in exactly the situation that you're dealing with. They can answer all of your questions about your taxes and everything, either over the phone or on your computer. And they can even take care of the entire filing process for you. They make it super easy. So whether you're somebody that launched your own, let's say, you know, startup group, or you're working multiple jobs and juggling a bunch of different incomes, you live in that gig life, right? That hustle behavior, first of all, respect and shout out to you. But if you're dealing with the taxes around that, then experienced TurboTax Live experts are definitely the way to go. And they can help you with getting the entire filing process done so that your taxes end up bringing back the deductions that you deserve. So visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes into it, TurboTax Live. Let's get it. Huda Nation wrapping up today's Twitter Tuesday episode of Locked on Saints. Once again, thank you so much for all of your questions here on the show. We'll do that every Tuesday. So make sure you send your questions to me on Mondays at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. And we'll do a couple of other mailbags and stuff like that as well. Um, now I want to kind of dive into this Sean Payton business. And let me be very clear. My expectation at this point on January 18th is that Sean Payton will be nowhere else but New Orleans in 2022. There's just not a lot of reason to believe that he would leave at this point. Now, he has been in New Orleans since 2006. He's been around for a very long time. You know, the guy that he came in with as his quarterback and Drew Brees, he retired this past offseason. So it seems like if he was going to leave at any point or retire at any point that like last year would have been the time. However, we should pay attention to some of this, right? I'm not saying that any of it has any merit or that anything is going to happen, but some of this stuff is interesting to think about because let's say that Sean Payton was in a situation to where he said, all right, I'm good. I've done enough here. I've done what I can. I've helped this team as much as I believe that I can, whatever that might be, and decides to bounce either by taking a year off or going to work in media or going to the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. That that narrative is so tired for me. Like the Dallas Cowboys narrative part of it is so tired for me because I don't understand why a coach would leave, you know, a situation to where he has so much cachet, so much say in the direction of the organization to go to a place where he would effectively have very little control with Jerry Jones as an owner, with Gail Benson as an owner, with Mickey Loomis as a general manager who like you work face to face on your own contract with and everything like it just feels very weird to say, yeah, I'm going to leave this very good situation in a city that I love, in a place that I've won four of the last five division titles, gone to the playoffs four of the last five times, almost did it five years in a row had it not been for a San Francisco loss late, all these other things, you know, most winningest coach over the course of a certain, you know, uh, span of years and all of that. Uh, it's just tough for me to assume that somebody would leave that situation when you have so much say over the organization and a team that's ready to go in whatever direction you want to point it in and then go to a place where you like really don't have any control at all. And so that's a weird choice for me. So I don't really play up the Dallas Cowboys part of it. But if New Orleans Saints were to be without Sean Payton for any reason in 2022, he just got married, he had COVID last year, like all of these different things that could potentially impact a human being, right, which is who this is, then sure, you know, how would the New Orleans Saints have to kind of muddle around that? Could that be a reason that Dennis Allen isn't 
either getting interviews or isn't taking interviews, right? These other things. So there's a lot of questions around all of this. And I don't know that it's necessarily all for naught, like Albert Breer reporting that networks might be interested in Sean Payton post-career as an analyst doesn't really have much impact to say, yeah, that's probably true. Like that doesn't really impact anything. Like is, is Sean Payton going to leave coaching to go and sit behind a desk? I don't know about that. Is he going to continue? Is he going to consider sitting behind an analyst desk once he's done in the NFL? Yeah, he should. He'd be, he'd be phenomenal at it. So uh, look, I think that there's like where there's smoke, there's fire a little bit, but I don't think it's to the point of like, oh, Sean Payton's leaving for Dallas next season. Uh, that for me doesn't quite add up. Now, again, anything is possible. Anything can happen. Like I said, Coach Payton is a human being, right? He is a person who can make his own choices, and that might be a choice that he wants to make. But as of right now, I just don't see that being the case. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit more about some of the coaching and general manager situations going on around the NFL. I want to start off with the general manager searches because there's a fourth general manager position now open, thanks to uh, Mike Mayock being relieved of his duties in Las Vegas. So the Las Vegas Raiders moving on from Mike Mayock. They're also conducting interviews at head coach. Coach Bisaccia, who I believe does deserve an opportunity to be their head coach next season, is still in the running for that, but they are interviewing other head coaches as well. The news broke that the that the Raiders would be conducting general manager searches before the news broke that the general manager would be moved on from, which is a little fishy um, and probably doesn't really give you a lot of confidence as somebody coming in and interviewing for the job, but they do have internal candidates that they really like, all of that. Why am I talking about this? Okay, I'm talking about this because so far, general manager jobs being open, there's only been three so far, and the only New Orleans Saints staff member to get a phone call has been Jeff Ireland. He was asked to interview for the Chicago Bears general manager job on Friday. So far, nothing has come of that. And the other two teams, the Giants, who are now on a second interview with a candidate, so they look like they have moved on to second interviews. They're interviewing somebody from Buffalo uh, this week for a second time. And the Minnesota Vikings, neither of them have called Jeff Ireland to our knowledge. He hasn't accepted an interview with them if they did, all of that. So it's really only been the Chicago Bears, but will the Las Vegas Raiders now enter the chat, right? Are they going to come in and say, hey, Jeff, come through, come and get an interview right quick? That could be, that that could happen. So just look for the Las Vegas Raiders is another place that could potentially end up poaching away Jeff Ireland and potentially taking an interview with Dennis Allen as well. I know a lot of people say, well, no, his first stint in Las Vegas, I mean, you were all in Oakland at that time, didn't go well and all of that. But Dennis Allen has grown so much since then. He has worked with Sean Payton. He has put together this top five, top 10 defense consistently. I mean, he's he's an entirely different coach at this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if they at least like interview him to see like in good faith, like, hey, what's changed about you? And could you potentially lead this team in a way that you weren't able to prove you could in your last stint or we didn't feel you could in your last stint, whatever that situation was. So look out for Dennis Allen to potentially get some head coaching interviews at some point. But look, I ain't going to be mad if nobody calls him. I'm also not going to be mad if nobody calls Kai Harley. I think Kai Harley deserves every opportunity to lead a team at some point. But right now with the New Orleans Saints having to navigate over $60 million over the salary cap, uh, the difference between 14 to $25 million in dead cap that could potentially pop up on them over the course of this offseason would really like Kai Harley not to go anywhere, at least this offseason, to help the New Orleans Saints get through all of this. And I don't think two third round picks is really worth losing the guy that ends up putting you in a situation every year to where you're competitive, despite what you're doing 
with the salary cap or what the NFL has had to do with the salary cap with it dropping and then now having a ceiling and all these other things. So those are that's your update so far. Not a lot of movement for New Orleans Saints staff, which is good news for New Orleans Saints fans that want them to compete next season. And I think that that factors into the Sean Payton thing as well. Don't see Sean going anywhere. And finally, just want to give a quick shout out to two all pros for the New Orleans Saints. This is last week's news, but we didn't get a chance to get to it. So I want to make sure that we shout out JT Gray. He ends up getting his first first team all pro nod as an all pro special teamer. 18 votes. Most uh, he had the highest amount of votes of any special teamer across the NFL. So shout out to JT Gray, who was also nominated to his first Pro Bowl this season as well. And then Demario Davis, second team All-Pro linebacker. This is his third time as an All-Pro player, second time on the second team. Still no Pro Bowl nominations for the guy, however. So, you know, he continues to be overlooked in that process, but we all know that voting process is kind of whatever anyway. But great to see two players from the New Orleans Saints, particularly on the on the on the the the, the units that really excelled consistently this season defense and special teams getting some recognitions. Once again, that's JT Gray, first team, all pro special teamer and Demario Davis, second team, all pro linebacker. So a big shout out to those guys and a big shout out to you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks so much as always for being here. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, we're going to jump back to midweek fundamentals. We're going to break down some, some things to just kind of help people learn the game of football a little bit better, but we're also going to go into some 2021 recap stuff starting midweek here. We're going to do that every Wednesday and Thursday where we're going to kind of go back to top five offensive performers, top five defensive performers, uh, position rankings, things like that. So we're going to start all of that tomorrow and we're going to start off with the quarterback conversation, right? Four quarterbacks starting for the New Orleans Saints. How did that situation come about? How did the Saints do in navigating all of it? And what can the Saints do moving forward at the position? We'll talk about all of that and break down some fundamentals for you as well as we are back tomorrow with a Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget for your second listen today to go and check out uh, your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling over at the Locked on Bets podcast. Go ahead and win yourself some money. Thank you again, as always, for coming through. Uh, anything that you need about your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.